Good morning. One more time with fervor. Good morning. Okay. How many of you are committed to staying awake today? Would you raise your hands? Okay, thank you. Uh, churches do some pretty dumb things sometimes. You know, here's a church that wanted better security, so they put uh, a new lock in, but then they realized that uh, you had to have instructions because people couldn't figure out how to make the lock work. Well, you kind of lose the security, right? Or, or here's a church that put in uh, uh, doors on the bathroom for privacy, but I, I think whoever hung these is unclear on the concept of... Uh, the privacy, uh, or sometimes mixed messages, like I like this one here, the Episcopal Church welcomes you with barbed wire, uh, or here's a church name, strange name, Little Hope Baptist Church, I, some of you have been there, and, uh, or here's a Hope Center, the Lord is good, his love endures forever from nine to four, uh, <laughs> Or church signs, don't let worries kill you, you know, let the church help. <laughs> or this one, I understand what they're trying to say, but it, the grammar's wrong or something. We love hurting people. <laughs> our community church, this one, terrible one. Now's the time to visit our pastors on vacation. <laughs> uh, and this one hopefully is not true today, uh, but I'll put it up there anyway. Uh, so it says, do you know what hell is? Come here, our preacher. Well, today our theme is a shine. We know the Bible tells us to let our light shine, but the Bible also tells us that God lets his face shine upon us. The great uh, uh, blessing of Israel, Lord, make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. And we are talking about both of those things today. And Father, we ask your blessing as we talk about it, that you would give us eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts that are attentive and minds that are alert to your teaching today. In Jesus' name, amen. What's the most important thing? I mean, so many things are important in the Christian life, but if you ask me what I'd say the most important thing, I want to talk about that today. Uh, and I want to uh, say that not just we're going to hear from uh, actually a few missionaries today, but I'd, I'd like to ask you to uh, consider a question as you're listening to what the Bible says today. Uh, would you consider being more involved in sharing Christ around the world? Would you be more open to finding some way that you could help reach the 73,000 people who will die today who have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ once? Would you be willing to give your life to some form of Christian service? When my daughter Becky was uh, in her sophomore year of high school, I told her, I said, you know, uh, hon, I, we come from a pastor of families. Your grandfathers were pastors. Your, you know, your, your father's and cousins and uncles are all pastors, and I think there's something inside of you that God has that he could use in a powerful way. Well, uh, one of the reasons I live up here now is because she's the pastor of Karen Community at North Shore Church in Kirkland, and uh, to be uh, closer to her and her three-year-old and her five-year-old. Um, would you be open to maybe asking God if he's got something for you? 
In Psalm 67, it starts off with some of the things that we need. And the first thing we need is we need uh, God's blessing. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. We need that. It is not a desire. It is not a want. It is a necessary part of life. We need a God who is gracious to us. Grace is unmerited love and favor. Grace is God's generosity to us. We need that. We need God's blessing. Uh, the the in the New Testament, the word blessing is, makarios is translated often as happiness, but blessing is more than happiness. It en encompasses happiness, but God's blessing is more than just making you happy. It's, there's so many elements of fulfillment and joy and peace in, in, in your heart, and may he make his face, may May God, the grand potentate of the universe, uh, you know, in, in the ancient world, when you would go in to see the king and you would stand before the king and maybe you were being judged by the king and the king smiled at you, you knew it was going to be okay. If the king scowled at you, you knew you were in trouble. May the face of God smile on you. May he shine on you so that, God, your ways may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. God's great desire is that people would come to know him, that people would come to love him and embrace him. The word salvation there I've kind of circled, though, because it's an interesting word. Here it is in Hebrew. It would be pronounced Yeshua, uh, which would also be said in the Hebrew name Joshua. And if you were writing it in Latin, you would say it's Jesus the name that we're quite familiar with. So I even see kind of a looking forward to Jesus here that I, it says, I want your salvation. I want your Jesus to be known among all the nations. Uh, all, notice the word all nations. This is one of the songs that Israel would sing in worship together. We sang songs, they sing songs too. And one of the songs they would sing was that God, we don't just want you to be our God, we want all the nations of the world to come to you. And we want you to be their God. Uh, we want your salvation, Christ, to come. And even you remember Jesus' birth in Luke 2. We read these words, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. All people. Say it for emphasis again. All people. Not just a few people, not just some people in Bethlehem, not just some Jews, but Gentiles. And, you know, the Jews used to pray in, their, in some of their prayers that the Gentiles were just the fuel for hell. And yet the desire of God was always that all people would know the great joy that would come because the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. We celebrate a lot of things at Christmas, but number one is that Christ has come into this world. In verse 3, it says, May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. It keeps coming back, you'll see, to that theme. This has been a big part of my life, and I'm telling you about some stuff about myself you don't really know well, but about, about uh, 10 years ago... Uh, God began to work in my, my heart and life, mind, and I uh, was involved. At that point, I'd been working in the Nordic-Baltic region, especially in the country of Estonia. Uh, 
you know, people used to say, what's your hobby? And I said, well, my hobby is saving people, you know, because that's what uh, I give all my vacation time, all my free time. I was, I was over there in, in uh, Sweden. And, and finally, Converge put me over those countries as a Nordic-Baltic initiative. So I, I'm over Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. That's all I do in my spare time, you know, try to reach those people. And, you know, there's not one of those countries, not one of them, that is more than 2% Christian. 98% of the people in that region do not know Jesus Christ. And everybody thinks they're all okay because uh, they've got great social systems and they're nice people and they don't know Christ. And it just uh, breaks my heart because my heritage comes out of Sweden. My grandmother came from Malmo, Sweden when she was 16. And my, my passion is somehow to reach those people, relatives of mine probably over there that I've never met and I don't have time to research because somebody has got to bring the gospel in. And so here I was in a church that it had grown from in my 18 years there from 800 to over 3,200 on a Sunday. And yet God was drawing my heart to say, I want you to leave this. I want you to leave the, the comfort of what you're doing here to go to a place where almost nobody knows Christ. And so I started working at it and had great success in 2019. Here's a picture of our church planting conference we did in Riga, Latvia. Had people there from all those countries I named earlier. And that was so good that we decided to take it right in, right into Sweden the next year. And we did this in Stockholm. Stockholm, Sweden, the fastest growing city in Europe. But the city where on any given Sunday, if you look at the Catholic churches, the Islamic mosques, the Jewish synagogues, and the Christian churches, you put all of those together, 0.6% of the people, 0.06% go. 99.4% of the people don't go to any church on Sunday. It's the biggest shopping day of the week in Sweden. Well, who's going to do something about that? And God says, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm kind of busy here. You know, I'm overseeing a staff of 15 pastors and a whole lot of people. And God says, well, yeah, but you've got a guy named John Riley that you've worked with for a dozen years, and you know that John's ready to take over. You think that was easy for me to hear that the day God said that to me? God didn't say it to, the way he, here's how God said it to me. He talks to me in shorthand. You're done. One morning, sitting on the bed, and I, God said, you're done. I don't know, am I going to die today? <laughs> you know, what, what does that mean? But I knew, I knew what it meant. And I knew that the pastor there now, John Riley, had been greatly prepared for it, and God was ready to take him to the next step. And I knew uh, I needed to give my life more to reaching what makes me cry at night and what makes me wake up in the morning saying, what can I do today? Uh, it says the nations, verse 4, our goal, to bring joy. We don't come just to... I guess saving people from hell is a pretty good job. Uh, you know, giving them heaven and like, eternal life is, is a nice thing. But somewhere in all that, joy has got to be part of that. For you rule the peoples with equity. You guide the nations of the earth. The nations, the motivation for missions, John Piper wrote, is the enjoyment that his people have in him. It's to bring people the joy that they will never know if they don't know Jesus Christ. 
I just came back, you know, I was gone for three weeks in October here. I was over in Estonia, and I had pastors from, five from Latvia, uh, nine from uh, Estonia, and uh, three from Finland together. Here's the group that I was uh, leading, and we were spent a week together with these pastors uh, to talk about how we can have a, a greater influence in our churches and what kind of a culture is it we're creating in our churches. Are we focused and sincere about evangelism and reaching lost people? Have a lot of uh, time of teaching. Here's just one of the sessions where I was leading with some uh, a pastor from each of the three countries uh, to talk about, you know, how can we do a better job of this? But look at this picture of me with Crick Poirier, one of our missionaries. The thing about it is it, there is joy in serving Jesus. There really is. And, and the joy is there. And, I, and here's some pictures of church planters that we work with over there. And you'll see that there, there is, is great joy and enthusiasm for what they're doing. Would you receive this blessing, this Franciscan blessing? May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may wish for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. May you believe that you can make a difference in this world of lost people. God, make it so. Verse 5, may the peoples praise you, God. May the peoples praise you. C.S. Lewis wrote, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. I think that's a very perceptive uh, comment by Lewis that the praise flows out of the joy. Uh, the praise is not coming into church and singing sad songs. The praise is coming into church with a spirit of joy and expectation because God is on the throne and, and God is in control, even in the difficulties of life. It says in the next verse that the land yields its harvest. Great verse for this time of year where we're surrounded by harvesting of the crops and in the fields. And God, our God, blesses us. The harvest is part of God's blessing. We see God's blessing in the harvest. In Matthew, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. That's not the problem. The problem is that the workers are few. So what do we do about it? Next verse, and ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go forward one. Uh, and the word ask, I want to I zero in on two words on this because I think we've misunderstood this. And I think if you understand this, it's a real paradigm shift for you. Ask the Lord of the harvest is not really the word ask. In fact, here's a little Greek lesson for you. My father always said the only Greek he knew was the guy who ran the restaurant. But, uh, you know, a lot of people I know don't care about that. But I want you to look at this because if you look at it, you'll see this, world, uh, this word, dethante, 
uh, is literally to beg, to beseech, to implore. It carries the idea of desperation. Examples of that are a man comes to Jesus, I beg you. Uh, in Corinthians, Paul writes, we implore you. So beg, implore. These are the words that the Bible uses to translate this word in other places. In other words, this is not just a saying a simple request to God. This is begging God to send workers, pleading with God to send workers, weeping and asking God again and again, please send the workers that we need to the people who don't know you and have a Christless eternity ahead of them. I learned to do this in a different way a couple years ago. I had a granddaughter born, my oldest daughter's third child. Her name was Noelle. And uh, Noel, Noel Elizabeth uh, was born and they tested in California for 200 different things when a child comes in the world. And one of those things flagged. And it said that she had a rare protein deficiency that would require that she be fed constantly her entire life. And that even with that, her, her protein level would never develop so her brain would never fully develop and her heart would never fully develop I went so far past tears at that point I pleaded with God for the life of my granddaughter I begged God to give her a better life than that I, I begged God if that was all it was to just take her to heaven now but to, to see my, my daughter's a speech therapist in the schools, her husband's a campus pastor at Biola, to see them have to struggle with that, to take out of the work that they were doing just to take care of her would be such a, a difficulty. And I begged God, and I, I, I tried to make every deal I could in the world with God because I didn't want to lose that little girl. She's such a beautiful little child. Halloween, <laughs> I told God I'd quit candy. <laughs> Lasted for a couple years anyway. I mean, I got a kind of a sweet tooth. I didn't care. I, I, I offered God everything I could think to offer God. I think it's one of the reasons I ended up leaving the church and going to the mission field. Because I wasn't going to give up on that little girl. I learned what it is to beg. I learned what it is to plead with God. And I'm telling you, I had never before in my life done that for missions, for unreached people in this world. I know the reality of life. Some of you have kids who are far from God, parents who are far from God. You know the pain that you feel in your soul for them. Well, feel that beyond this world, beyond your own immediate little world you live in. By the way, God did heal Noel. Here's a picture of her a couple years ago. She's the little one in the picture. She's got more life than anybody in our family. Was retested later, and they said that uh, it wasn't there anymore. I really believe that God did a miraculous thing in her life. Jesus goes on, though, and says, don't just beg God for the Lord to send workers, but the word send is interesting. Ek, ekbale is an interesting word because it literally means here, if you look, the yellow cast out, uproot, thrust out, launch, radical and urgent change. 
Here's a, out in the Bible. She begged God, to, Jesus, to cast out the demon. Uh, Rahab in, the, in James, it says she, she sent them out. She told the spies to go out a different way so they would continue to live. It, it has this idea of, so here's, what, here's, here's my literal translation of it. Beg God to mess up people's lives. <laughs> Beg God to make them so uncomfortable that they just can't live like they've been living anymore. Beg God to uproot them, to, to make them move and change and do something different. That's what Jesus said. Who said that? Jesus. Oh, cheaper. Come on. Who said it? Jesus. Does it mean anything if Jesus says it to us? Does it mean anything when he says, here's what I want you to do as my follower, as my disciple. I want you to beg God. Beg the Father in heaven to disrupt people's lives so that all the world can hear about Jesus. Now, friends, that would change your prayer life for the world if you would do that. And can I remind you, uh, go forward to next one. God still wants to bless us in this effort so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Why should that be important to us? Here's Jesus. Jesus talking about the end in Matthew 24. Good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Jesus will come back. What has to happen before Jesus will come back? The gospel it has to be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations have an opportunity to hear it. Then the end will come. Now, Revelation says that's going to happen. Tells us that uh, after this, I saw a great crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne, singing in heaven, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive glory and honor and power. All the nations are going to be there, it says. So what is the most important thing? I believe it's that people would know and experience God's love for them, that they would come to know the joy that they can only know from knowing Jesus. How are we doing on that? Well, uh, God is at work. God is moving in unprecedented ways. In December 2017, they started a new movement read by, um, led by uh, Paul Eshelman, who had done the Jesus film for years, and, and uh, Rick Warren. And it was, uh, they found out that there were, in, in 19, uh, 20, I mean 2017, there were 1,347 unengaged, unreached people groups in the world. 1,347 who had not heard. We're talking about the second coming. They hadn't heard about the first coming yet. Well, today, the number is 144. Here's what the church in America is missing it is happening now. It is happening around the world. People who've never been reached are being reached in unprecedented numbers right now. 
And yet I hardly know a church that hasn't cut their missions budget in the last 10 years. I hardly know a church that's given any kind of an increase in salary to their missionaries in the last 10 years. And yet God is wanting to work more. How many Christians, if this is an average day in the world, how many Christians are going to come to know Jesus today? Well, 10,000 in South America, 20,000 in Africa, 32,000 in China. I have a couple in my small group from China. They have to go back to China in January. I can't tell you the, the weeping and the sadness and the fear they have of going back because it's just so hard to be a Christian. You can't live a Christian life in the open in China right now. They're sharp people. One of them has four law degrees. You know, they've got uh, significant opportunities in this world but they're scared to death. And yet in spite of that oppression, 32,000 people every day are coming to know Jesus. Would you pray this prayer with me from uh, Clement, one of the great church fathers? Read it together with me, would you? We ask you, Master, be our helper and defender. Rescue those. Keep going. Assist the needy, heal the sick, turn back all of your people astray, be hungry, release our captives, let all the nations And together we say, I'd like to show you the scripture now in a different way as we close this time together.